Hello, and welcome to Risking Capital, the 21st episode in the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series brought to you by Actuarial Risk Management. My name is Max Rudolph, and as always, I'm joined by Dave Ingram. Balancing risk and capital are important considerations, but few recognize that there are multiple ways to think about this, focusing on their own personal views exclusively. Dave walks us through four ways to think about this in ways that are consistent with their stated risk appetite. We hope the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series will help you with your ERM program and risk knowledge. Our podcast sometimes looks at specific risks and other times we'll consider aspects of risk management practice. By the way, nothing in today's podcast is intended to be investment advice. We are here to provide educational material on ERM topics without getting lost in the weeds. We hope that you will also take advantage of our complimentary quarterly newsletter and webcast on a variety of risk management topics. Let's get started. Some insurer executives think of it as a question of how much capital do I need to hold? Others look through the exact same telescope in the opposite direction and ask, how much risk can I take? Either question is difficult to answer and the potential answers seem arbitrary. But in fact, there are just a few realistic answers, and once you're exposed to them, most companies will see themselves having, in fact, been living in just one of these answers most of the time. Most insurers can be observed to have operated for long periods of time at a relatively stable capital level relative to the risks of the company. Their level of capital compared to their risks are usually determined by the expectations of their customers, as well as their history and culture regarding security. There are effectively just four broad levels of capital. The first level I'll call minimal. These companies have enough capital to survive under normal volatility with just a small margin of safety with little to no resilience. A major loss event would render these companies below the company action level of RBC or even totally insolvent. These insurers effectively use the regulator's risk-based capital authorized control level as their risk capital standard. Often these companies are closely held and the owners regularly withdraw as much of the capital as they are legally permitted. The second level I'll call viable. These companies have enough capital to provide for a single major loss event and to avoid reaching minimal level with normal volatility. These companies generally operate comfortably in a market where customers are not at all focused on assessing their insurer's financial strength. Sectors like personal auto, direct sale, life and health insurance. The third level I'll call secure. These are insurers that have enough capital to satisfy sophisticated commercial buyers that they can pay claims in most situations by providing for maintaining a viable level of capital after a major loss event. This might amount to an additional layer of capital above the viable level so that they would be expected to be at or above the viable level even after a major loss event. These insurers would expect to raise capital to get back to the secure level after a major loss event. Many life insurers whose products have a strong investment component would also likely fall into this group. Life insurers in this group might end up restricting sales for a period of time to regain the secure capital level after a major loss event. 
The fourth and highest level I'll call robust. These companies have enough capital to maintain a secure level of capital even after a major loss event. A few reinsurers operate at this level of capital, as well as a few direct writers who have a long tradition of operating with the highest level of security. These insurers would not expect to need to raise capital even after a major loss event, but would expect to be able to build surplus back to the robust level gradually via earnings. They might say that if there is an industry-wide loss that knocks many of their secure competitors out of that range and into the viable range, that they would be able to add market share with business from the most security-concerned customers. And you can bet that that large loss event will make more customers aware of security concerns. These capital levels are generally maintained for many years and are thought of as fundamental to the self-definition of the insurer. They are often then closely linked to rating targets and reinsurance purchasing. Management's statements about their capital and security level could be used when stating the insurer's risk strategy and tolerance. Notice that in all but the lowest category, a major consideration is the position of the insurer after a major loss event. This is in stark contrast to many of the largest banks where their objective, at least prior to the financial crisis, was to close the books each night with capital as close as possible to the required level with no margin whatsoever for losses. In the end, it almost seems circular. An insurer will be in a business where the customer security concerns find their level of risk compared to the capital to be sufficiently safe, and therefore the company feels compelled to maintain that level of capital compared to risk. But it is really just alignment between risk tolerance and company strategy, the key objective that many insurers include in their risk appetite statement. Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about the ARM Actuarial Data and Modeling Institute that supports a wide variety of actuarial tasks. Dave, actuarial modeling is fast becoming a highly specialized, sophisticated, and critical function as insurance regulations, products, and assets become increasingly complex. To keep up with this rapidly changing environment, insurers are challenged to recruit and retain resources and to implement the technology needed to accurately model their businesses to inform critical management decisions that drive stakeholder value. The ARM DMI platforms make a great solution, efficient cloud-based platforms, cost-effective offshore data scientists, and a deep bench of senior actuaries. You should explore how your business can benefit from the latest actuarial modeling technology. ARM will work with you every step of the way to provide you with reporting, capital management, product development, and business planning actuarial modeling expertise. Contact ARM today. Now, back to our podcast. Uh, And when I think about balancing risk and capital, I'm reminded of the arguments between optimization and satisficing with the optimizers accepting high leverage and leaving themselves susceptible to to bankruptcy during a down cycle. Am I I getting that right? Or or do you have a different comparison? Well, that's a great story, Max. And and I think that it deserves to be told, but that's not what I'm trying to tell. 
uh, here. I'm thinking much simpler. When you're talking about balancing risk and capital, I'm just talking about a company that's, that's expecting over time, not necessarily each and every year, uh, the growth rate of the company to be approximately equal to the growth rate of the surplus of the company. When I say the growth rate of the company, I'm assuming that, you know, as the company grows, the risks of the company grow proportionately. That, that, that's what that balance means. And, and I think that that's the answer I get from more than a, a you know, maybe 60% majority of companies when I ask, well, are you growing your risk faster than your capital faster than your risk? And most of them say, no, I'm balancing it. Uh, and, and I think that's just sort of the lazy answer, actually. They, they really don't have a particular plan. They're not giving a lot of thought to capital levels because usually most insurance companies are just fine. Uh, and and they're, they're, there's so many other things that they worry about. Uh, capital isn't one of them. And, and, and that's kind of the, the, the point of this discussion on, on risk and capital is, is that there, there's pretty broad uh, ranges of acceptability to, to capital level for different levels of risk for a lot of companies. If, you're, if your RBC ratio, say, is, is several multiples of what it needs to be, there's, there's so much buffer in there that if if you go let's say your goal is 400% and and you go from 375 to four and a quarter it's it's just not worth a, a whole lot of time thinking about it when companies make a choice uh, between minimal viable secure or robust levels of capital is is this reflective of the company's risk tolerance i i would say that it is the risk tolerance uh, for, for the company in the aggregate, that, that it's not a separate thing, that risk tolerance in an insurance company expresses itself in, in the amount of capital the company chooses to hold and, and how it balances that with the amount of risk. In, 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 a, in a company I worked in, we, we carefully measured and monitored return on risk for the different business units. And that was a high concern of companies. It, Balancing risk and capital is clearly important. Even companies that desire to be balanced can find themselves too far on one side or the other. Dave, what, what can an insurer do to get back to a level of balance they are comfortable with? Thanks, Max. That's a good question. Before I, I talk about balance, though, let me go back to that concept of risk trajectory. I mentioned earlier, the management of a company should be very aware of what their risk trajectory is in their plans. Uh, and by risk trajectory, again, I mean whether a uh, surplus is going to be growing faster than their business, whether their business is going to be growing faster than their surplus, or they're going to try and be in balance. Now, let me talk about the other two cases first, though, before we talk about balancing. If you're in a situation where you think you need surplus to grow faster than business, most often an insurer that chooses to grow surplus faster than business has experienced either a sudden large loss or a prolonged period of business growth that was faster than that of the surplus growth. The latter happened to many insurers that depended on investment earnings rather than insurance margins. As the earnings on their, portfolio, on their investment portfolios dropped and dropped as interest rates fell to historic lows. The insurer in, uh, who is questioning their, their surplus trajectory needs to decide how much faster surplus needs to grow, which might be stated in terms of how long it will take to get back to the desired surplus to risk relationship. 
The other situation where business is planned to grow faster than surplus, this situation arises after a period of building surplus usually. An insurer feels that there are business opportunities justifying moving in the opposite direction. It's somewhat common that an insurer in a build service mode will have adopted a very conservative business posture and overshoot its target for adding the surplus. Other companies might have been pricing to achieve high returns to fund high growth, but the growth doesn't happen, most likely because of the high prices. Therefore, their surplus grows too quickly. When thinking about risk trajectory changes, it's often accompanied by a shift from a cautious business approach to an aggressive one. If an aggressive approach leads to expansion into a product or territory that ends up punishing the inexperienced, the company may be quickly thrown back to a plan where surplus needs to grow faster than business. Regardless of whether the insurer is focused on growing surplus or business, the chief risk officer needs to be prepared to talk about how to get back into balance. So let's talk about balance. When the risk trajectory is balanced, it means that the earnings of the company as a percentage of surplus are the same ratio as the, the business growth rate. Uh, if a company wants to grow at 10%, uh, then they have a 10% return on surplus to keep things in balance. When I first started working with this concept, we started from the investment earnings expected on the assets backing surplus could fund uh, growth at the rate of the asset earnings, but the asset earnings are generally taxed. So you have to look at the after-tax asset earnings rate. Most insurance companies will tend to want to grow a lot faster than the after-tax earnings rate on surplus, so they need a contribution from the insurance biz part of the business, which, which is uh, easy to see. And that contribution needs to be enough as a percentage of surplus to bring the total return on surplus up to the rate of business growth. Now, if you get out of balance with that, you, you only have a few choices there. Uh, you can uh, change the mix of business, because what you'll find is if you look at each particular product line, some product lines may be totally self-funding their growth, while other product lines are at, at a stage in their life cycle where they're not yet able to uh, to fund their own growth, or they're at such a high growth rate that, that uh, it's not reasonable to expect them to fund their own growth. And, and the company's balance is sometimes a balance between those different life stages of products. Uh, and, and, and so uh, the company can think about what, what it can do uh, in that balance in, in terms of the, the degree to which they're selling the products that are funding themselves versus the ones that aren't. The other thing to look at is the growth rates themselves, as, as well as the, uh, the profitability of, of each of the products. There's a, a, a final alternative that was uh, the one that I would always mention first in my prior position working for a reinsurance broker is that you can just adjust the growth rate by changing the, the, the amount of business that's reinsured uh, so that it's, it's the growth in retained business uh, that you need to fund uh, with, with a, a growth in surplus. How do you think about risk and capital? 
Is your objective to have minimal, viable, secure, or robust levels of capital? Do others at your company argue for a different level than you do? Dave has given you the information to think about why that is and how it can make for a better risk thought process. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please rate, subscribe, and share with your colleagues. Thank you.